When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome into the DNBR Rams podcast presented by Natures of Colorado, the Northeastern Colorado dispensary providing top quality cannabis and a wide variety of products. Remember to use the code DNBR online or mention DNBR in store or in drive through. I was able to catch up with my good friend, Will Darkey. He's the founder of CBB Uncharted on Instagram. Great account to follow. Great way to keep up with all things college basketball on a national level. We had Will on about a week and a half ago. If you don't remember, he is a CU alumni. Boo, I know. But he's a great dude. Uh, really knows his shit when it comes to college basketball. And he really has become a pretty big Mountain West fan. And you know, honestly, like a CSU Isaiah Stevens fan. So it was fun to chop it up with him. We kind of went back and forth just on how the Rams were able to handle the emotion of suffering that collapse up in Laramie and how impressive it was that they were able to turn around and follow it up with a big win against SDSU. We debated whether you would rather be an 8-9 seed and potentially have to get squared up with a 1 if you win, or would you rather be like a 13 seed? And, you know, you have to beat a four seed in the first round, but maybe the second round matchup's a little bit more favorable. We talked Duke, UNC, Utah State, San Diego State, the Mountain West race as a whole, all kinds of stuff. It was a really fun interview, and I think you guys are going to enjoy it a lot. Real quick, before we get to that interview, I had just a couple of keys for CSU men's basketball. They've got a big one on the road against Fresno State Saturday night. Fresno currently ranked 198th in Ken Palm. They are 218th in net. They are 6-4 and four at home, though, and really should be 7-3 and three if they wouldn't have let it slip away against Boise State. Some keys for CSU. Uh, Fresno averages about 14 turnovers per game, so you're hoping to be able to create some extra possessions that way, attack in transition, get out in the fast break the way they were able to against San Diego State. Another key, you want to stop their presence in the paint, very similarly to how you did against San Diego State. I always kind of feel like this program under Justin Hudson is basically like a Kroger, San Diego State. They're big, they're physical, just not quite as talented, not quite as polished. 55% of their production comes in two-point form. So if you can keep them out of the paint, if you can stay out of foul trouble, they don't tend to be a team that lights it up from deep, although they are uh, averaging a couple of more attempts from deep in conference play than they have as a whole on the season. They average about 23-point attempts per game on the year. It's been more like 22 in league play, which is right in the middle of the pack, basically right around where the entire conference averages. 
As far as the names to know, you really want to be able to limit Xavier Ducell. He's a Wyoming transfer. I just mentioned that they aren't typically a team that lights it up from deep, but he is a guy that has the ability to get hot in a hurry. Probably their most lethal shooter. And then their true point guard, Isaiah Hill, who's really taken his game to a new level this year. He's been great. Career high six and a half assists per game. Another guy that can put it on the floor and beat you. But frankly, this is a matchup where you should have the talent advantage. This is a really crucial opportunity for the Rams to get their first road win in the conference slate. I do think with the way Wyoming is trending, that loss maybe doesn't look as bad from a metric standpoint. You're never going to be able to get over the, the way you lost it up 11 with under a minute to go. There's just no way to feel good about that. But they, they have been much more competitive. These are the games that you've got to win. You got to beat Fresno. You got to beat Air Force on the road. You've got to beat UNLV. If you could steal one against either San Diego State or New Mexico, that would be huge. But more than anything, just take care of business at home, steal a couple on the road, and you're going to be in a really good spot come Selection Sunday. All right, we're going to get to that interview with Will Darkey of CBB Uncharted. But with Empire Today, you get the shop at home convenience, the right product for your needs, quick and professional installation, and a price match guarantee. Empire Today is the best place to get new flooring, so of course they have copycats. But you can't beat Empire on quality, service, or speed. Other people advertise low-quality products that Empire won't even carry. They're not going to promise you the lowest prices because anybody that does that is putting flooring in your home that they wouldn't put in their own. Their philosophy is really simple. They want to help you find what you need, not overwhelm you with thousands of choices and substitutes. What they leave out of their selection is honestly as important as what they put in. Empire's product team exhaustively combs through thousands of product samples each year to find the perfect styles. Their virtual floor designer is a great way to see new home floors and how it will work in any space. It's easy. Just snap a picture and instantly see how the new floors will look in your room. It's a lot of fun. I was doing it just for, you know, fun the other day, just kind of, kind of scrolling. I was bored. Schedule a free in-home estimate today. All listeners can receive $350 off when they use the promo code DNVR. Restrictions do apply. See empiretoday.com slash DNVR for details. Again, that's empiretoday.com slash DNVR and use that code DNVR to get a $350 discount. Natures of Colorado provides an amazing grade of cannabis and a vast variety of products. Check them out for all your needs, including infused edibles, high-potency concentrates, some of the best flour in the state. There are four Natures of Colorado locations in Colorado, Log Lane Village, Garden City, Sedgwick, and Millican. They are the go-to dispo out in northern Colorado, northeastern Colorado. Remember to save time by ordering ahead at naturescolorado.com. Stay cozy when you pick up. You don't even have to get out of your car. All of their locations have drive throughs Visit a location, mention our code DNVR to take advantage of these Natures of Colorado deals. You can get a $99 ounce every day anyways, but when you use that code DNVR, you can get a full ounce of any shelf for $85. You can't beat that. Get an exquisite extracts, two-gram bucket for $15. Killer deals all around. Remember to use that code DNVR online or mention DNVR in stores. All right, joining me on the podcast, we've got friend of the pod, Will Darkey, founder of CBB Uncharted on Instagram. Go give it a follow. Great way to keep up with all things national college basketball. Will is a buff, but he is a massive college hoops aficionado, follows the Mountain West very closely. Uh, one of the guys I love having on this pod most to talk about hoops, but 
uh, I guess just what's your impression of CSU right now, Will? Because obviously they had just a horrific collapse in Wyoming. I mean, it's about as frustrating as it gets. 72 hours later, you know, you turn around, you beat a really good San Diego State team with one of CSU's better performances of the season. I don't know. What's your read on this Rams team right now? Um, I think the, the Wyoming loss could have been detrimental. It was so like catastrophically bad of a collapse that it could have been like a, okay, are we really just not that team? But it instead, it to me, it looked like they took that loss. They went, that was unacceptable. We are a much better team than this. And you kind of, I want to give you props because you brought it up in, um, one of your pods, I think it was your like post game talking about the Wyoming game. You said, I wouldn't be surprised if CSU went out there and they like had a really strong showing against this San Diego state team. And that's exactly what they did. I think they really showed their maturity in the San Diego state game. They were able to rebound immediately. 72 hours later, they got off to a hot start, which has been a little hit or miss um, as of late in conference play. And it was just, even when San Diego State kind of made that late second half push, I feel like that's where young teams could have been like, oh, damn, it's happening again. We've collapsed again. But like the veterans on that team took over, went, no, like we're in Moby. This is our home court. We're not, we're not letting this happen again. And they like had a really strong finish. And it was, it was really reassuring to me to see like, okay, for how bad of a loss that was against Wyoming, that was a really, really good rebound by the Rams. Yeah, I think you hit, you know, most of the the major talking points on the head just in terms of the response. And I, I'm right there with you. I thought the, the hot start was key. Get some energy in the building, you know, get some confidence. And then, you know, to be able to respond after San Diego State fights back. Because, you know, a veteran team like that's not going to lay down you know, probably somewhat in the back of their minds as a San Diego State's coming back. It's like, oh God, is this going to happen again? But they immediately turn it around. Neek throws down a monster dunk. Crowd goes crazy and the Rams do a good job of uh, of closing it out. But I, I, I was really curious to see how they would respond. I expected them to respond the way that they did, but I'm right there with you. I think a, a less mature team, a less composed group, they could have let what happened in Laramie really just kind of compound and, and destroy this season. Like the, the reality is, is there just aren't any breaks in this schedule. That's the tough part. It wasn't like, you know, Oh, you got to come home and, and play San Jose state or something. You were rewarded with a team coming off of a national championship appearance. I'm with you. I, I just felt like it was really reassuring. I don't think it's the, a, a loss that would have like, you know, ended their NCAA tournament hopes or anything like that. But I also think it's a win that they just really needed to, in a simple sense, just get the vibes right again. Oh, 100%. Um, not to like tie it back to CU uh, football, but it really reminded me of the Stanford game that CU had um, in football this past year where they were up big at half, had this historic collapse. And then like just the whole season from there was like just a landslide of like, okay, nothing's going right. Um, coaches are leaving players. And so that's just, yeah, that's where I want to really um, commend Nico and the team for 
especially because with basketball, when it's football, it's one game each week. That's your main focus. And you've got like the whole week to um, kind of reset and replan. This was a pretty quick turnaround. Yeah, you were only in Wyoming, so it's just a quick drive up north and then you got to come back. It's not like a hop on a plane and go out to San Jose State or something, but it's still like a quick turnaround where you got to like you got to get out of your head, get your mind right. And San Diego State, they are they're like I think in the Mountain West, they're like the the furthest from like a rollover team because of their final four appearance because of kind of just their stayed uh, uh, dominance in this conference for so long now. Brian Dutcher is just such a well-respected coach, just like gritty defense, like does kind of like all the tactical um, textbook things, right? So that was that was not going to be an easy win. Um, and I think it was like the perfect challenge the Rams needed to kind of maybe get some juice back in their system and give them some confidence. Like, okay, this stretch, like no game is easy in the mountain West, but we, we still are those guys and we can be those guys if we show up night in and night out. I like that. They kind of had to grind it out too. like San Diego state's obviously a really good team and I never would expect them to roll over, but I actually thought that was one of San Diego state's better road performances this season. I know they beat Gonzaga on the road, but they're a team whose shot making has been inconsistent. And Reese Waters came out and he had three threes in the first half. He hit some big time shots in that second half. Lamont Butler and Micah Parrish were able to stretch the floor a little bit. Ladie gets some putbacks. He's able to kind of, I mean, they, they held him to 13 points, which is about the, the best you can hope for because he's just a freak. But I, I kind of like that it wasn't a situation where San Diego State just played poorly. You beat a good team who gave you a really solid effort on both sides of the floor. I just think from a confidence standpoint, and like, I mean, this group, that they're so even keeled. I don't think they're the type to, to fall apart or anything like that. But I just think it's human nature, you know, just to, to have that reassurance of, oh yeah, like this is us, the same group that beat Creighton, the same group that, you know, handled Washington. It, it was just huge, man. It's going to be interesting to see how they respond on Saturday night. Cause now you go against a frisky Fresno state team. There's no atmosphere there whatsoever. They just, nobody cares. Unfortunately, it's a really stale environment. You're going to have to like kind of create that energy yourself and, you know, Boise, they they stumbled a little bit in Fresno. They got up big and then they kind of fell asleep at the wheel, let Fresno come back. Should have lost to them. They they pulled it out in the end. I'm really interested to see like what the response is. You know, we just credited CSU so much for the way that they responded from, you know, this heartbreak. Now you got to carry it over though, you know, and get that elusive road win because they're just you're not gonna have very many opportunities, Adam. And this feels like one they gotta get. 100%. Um, I don't want this to be a slight to Fresno State, but this game, it it feels like somewhat of a non-conference game to me where you just, you don't have the typical atmosphere that you get at most Mountain West arenas. So if anything, it could feel like one of those neutral sites where it's like, okay, we're in this gym that's half full and it's, we're playing at like somewhat of a weird hour. And I think while you're in the dog days of conference play, so you you have to like lock in and be like, this is a conference game. I think you also can look back at your non-conference slate on this one and look at like where I'm forgetting. Did uh was Creighton was that in Kansas City? 
Yeah, it was it was a neutral game. It was closer to a road environment just because like the, the yeah. fan turnouts three to one for them. But I mean, it's not like playing in Omaha. Totally. And then like um, in Vegas playing Washington, I feel like it could be one of those games more where CSU, that's where CSU was finding their most success because I think they were kind of on this like hungry, uh, we, we, we don't get to play these teams as often. So we, they're not expecting us so we can come out, play our game, play confidently. I, I'm not saying that they're not doing that in the Mountain West. I think no, just I get the you. West, I think there's, I think yeah. that's human nature. You know, there's an element of like we're going to show you something. Yeah, and like when you're when you get into the dog days of conference play, like you've seen all these teams before, and as much as you want to be like, oh, we're getting up for Fresno State. You've also like maybe played Fresno State before. Like Isaiah Stevens has played Fresno State many a times now, and so he's probably like, okay, it's Fresno State, like. This is going to be a fun trip. The weather out there will probably be nice and we'll get the win. But I'm not saying that's Isaiah Stevens' mindset. I know he's a much smarter, greater leader than that. But you just don't want like the whole team to maybe take over like a, a mindset of it's just Fresno State. Like we we beat San Diego State. Who's to say we can't go down and beat a worse SoCal team? So I don't know. No, I'm with you. I, I mean, it's they, they got to take care of business. It's not... If you're using the term must win, I think there needs to be do or dire consequences. Like it's your season's over if you don't win this. And that's just not the case. But at the same time, we know what this team can be and we know what the expectations are based on what we've seen. So to me, this is a a situation where they need to go out and prove it, you know, like go out and execute. It, It doesn't have to be the, the flashiest thing in the world at the end of the day, just get a win, no matter how you're able to do it. But I, I would like to see them kind of keep it rolling here. The offense has looked a little bit better these last couple of games. I mean, they're 15 and one this year when they score 75 points. Fresno gives up about 74. They score, you know, in like the high 60s. If you can score 75 points, this should be a game you win. Yeah, that's like, that's a pretty damn good recipe to success. And it's not too tough to reach. If you if you've already done it in 16 games. It, it should be manageable. But again, just with that road environment, and it's not your typical road environment where it's hostile and maybe you can get up because it's like, oh, we're going to shut up these fans. It's like a you're going into like playing like a library. where Yeah, it's really got to be like that self-internalized motivation. We're doing exactly. it for our own cause, you know? Totally. And that's where, not to like go too off topic, but that's where I've been really impressed with a team like UConn in the Big East. Because when they've been at home, it's just been like their place. Uh, but then you've seen like basically everywhere else this season, if you're a top 10 team going on the road, there's like a good chance you could get picked off, except for UConn. Like UConn's just been on this tear where like it doesn't matter where we're playing, there's going to be 40 minutes of basketball and it's going to be our 40 minutes of basketball. And they're just like blowing teams out left and right. So I think. I think CSU totally has like the maturity and the veteran leadership to like take that approach to the game. I'd hope that that is the approach they take because I think you're coming off this high of beating San Diego state, but I think you could even come off like a bigger high going out to Fresno state and beating a team by like 25 in their own gym. I feel like that that just shows like, okay, it's not just Moby that we're good in. We we can also go on the road. We can play our brand of basketball because that's what it is in March too. It's not true road games, but 
you're not you're not in Moby. You got to go to a neutral site. So, I think if you can uh, you give yourself some like reassurance and build up some confidence outside of Fort Collins, I think that's huge too. These next three games are really big for CSU. They go on the road. They've got Fresno on the road, obviously this weekend. Then Boise comes Tuesday. That's a huge game in Fort Collins. And then they've got San Jose State Friday night at home. If you could rattle off you know, like a three-game win streak or four-game, I guess, since you're coming off the win over San Diego State, going into that trip to Viejas, all of a sudden, if you lose on the road at San Diego State, like, you still feel really good. Like, hey, we're 5-1 and one over our last six. We're playing great basketball. I mean, if you could somehow steal that one on the road at, at San Diego State after also winning these three, then all of a sudden, the conversation of, like, well, maybe you're, you are back in that regular season Mountain West Championship mix. We'll see. A lot of that's going to have to do with Utah State. Them being a full three games ahead is is obviously a huge advantage for them. Um, any more thoughts on, on CSU before we kind of talk some Mountain West and just college basketball as a whole? Yeah, I just I've got two quick points. I feel like one of them could probably lead into the Mountain West um, more as a whole. But the first one, I also want to give credit to CSU for beating San Diego State. You'll know the stat, and I can't remember it. But it was, was it the first one against them since 21? Like they'd lost four straight? They'd lost four straight, yeah. They lost three three last year, and then they lost in the to them in Vegas in the Mountain West tournament the season before. Yeah, so like as a CU fan, the Pac-12 was not... There were a lot of teams in the Pac-12 that were not kind to Colorado. I think Colorado entered the Pac-12 winless against USC in football, and they, they're going to leave winless. There's things like that where I think it it builds up like mentally where it's like, there's that team we've never beat. And while CSU has beat San Diego State, when you start to get in like a rut, you've also seen it with the Broncos, with the Raiders. They should have now beaten the Raiders, but it's we're going on how many years. But I think coming off the Wyoming loss, going into a game against a team that's had your number for the last couple matchups, I think that is also a huge boost. Um, So that's my first point. And then the second point where you were talking about how if you can win these next three, then going into Viejas doesn't feel like a must win. While I totally agree with that sentiment that you want to like come away four and oh, like on this little streak, I also, I think... Rams fans can pump the brakes a bit on like our tournament chances are down the drain if we like. Oh yeah, they're they're completely fine. I've I've been trying to say that to these people a lot, but it's just because you got so much excitement and there you go from being like, I mean, they were almost being projected as a three seed at one point, very consistently a four or five seed. Now it's more like an eight nine seed. But that's the point I've been trying to make was they have one bad loss on their resume in terms of the NCAA tournament metrics, and that's Wyoming. And with the the way they're trending, that might end up being like a Q2 loss when it's all said and done. Totally. Yeah, I mean, I'm just looking at uh, Joe Lenardi's bracketology right now that, uh, when did this come out? It came out this morning, and he has CSU projected as a 7 seed right now, playing Texas A&M in the first round in a 7-10 matchup. So... And then you look at like, yeah, you look at the net and CSU is seven and four in the first two quadrants. Like that is impeccable. Like if you're, if you're a CSU fan and if someone like before the season tells you like, yeah, through 11 games and like through 11 quad one and two opportunities, you're going to be seven and four. You should take that like 
10 times out of 10. And so I totally understand that, like, I want to win every game. And especially when you're in conference play, you want to like, like you've been saying, you want to see the Rams win a regular season title for the first time. But I also think like the larger marathon picture of it, where you're like, you're trying to play to the beginning of April. CSU is totally, in my opinion, they're still like totally in a fine spot. And I think with the maturity on their team, their best basketball still has, hasn't been played yet if they don't want it to have been played. So well said, man. I like that was that was nice. I couldn't have done that better myself. Um <laughs> I do have a question for you though, just in terms of I mean it, this is obviously it's all matchup dependent and so much of your success in NCAA tournament can kind of come down to that. Like did you get that favorable draw in the opening round to get the momentum rolling? Would you rather though be an eight or nine seed where if you win, you're very likely getting the one in 2013 CSU. They beat Missouri. It's a lot of fun. They beat them in the opening round rewarded with eventual national champion Louisville. I know that title got vacated technically, but we, we were all there. We remember it. Um, or would you rather be like a 13 seed and you have to beat a four off the bat but you might not, you might, if you can get through that first round, the second and third round might be more favorable. That's, it's, it's such a conundrum. And like, obviously teams don't have any, any choice in this, but I'm just curious for you as a, as a basketball fan, what position would you rather your team be in? That is such a good question because I've like racked my brain about this for years now, because like as a CU fan, Whenever they've been in tourney talks, it has always hovered around that eight, nine range. And so then the whole thing with Tad Boyle is like not being able to get out of the first round or the first weekend. And it's usually because, oh, cool, you maybe beat the nine seed or the eight seed. And now you're going up against Kansas. And Kansas was maybe the number one overall seed. So they got to pick the region they're in. And now you're basically just in Lawrence, Kansas in a different city. It's so, and the way that sometimes I'm trying to remember what the exact matchup was, but when UMBC took down Virginia, they, yes, that was the 16 one, but then like they got to play the eight, nine, that's like an extreme version, but I feel like you do see that kind of more often than not, not maybe not more often than not, but you'll see it from time to time where you get like the 13 beats the four and the 12 beats the five in the same region. So now out of nowhere, you've got a 12, 13 second round matchup. And I feel like that's where you see, yeah, like a Loyola Chicago go on like a little tournament run and where these Cinderella's are created and where it's tougher and there hasn't been as much success in history behind like an eight or a nine seed making a run. I think one of the best that did it was like Kentucky in 2013 or 2014. And that's a coach Cal team. So it's also a little different. Like once it usually happens when you get like a super underseeded eight or like a team that had a ton of top end talent, but underperformed. And then they just kind of figure it out late. Like, oh, like UNC a couple years ago, too. Yeah. So I don't know. I think it's tough because the the lower the number is, like, the prettier it is, like, on the bracket. It's like, ooh, look at that. We got a a five seed or or we got an eight seed. Like, that's one of the better seeds that we've had in a couple years. But then it's like, okay, cool. You beat the nine seed. Now you get UConn. Exactly. Like, well, the, the first game was fun. So 
there's some there's some give and take where I I'm a huge fan of the 12-5 game in favor of the 12s. I th- that's just where it seems to be like the fun mid-majors always kind of fall because maybe they're not good enough for an at-large bid, but they're kind of like the cream of the crop for the automatic qualifiers. And so that's where if I'm being honest, I'd maybe take the 12-5 matchup, see if you can knock out the 5 and then see where we go from there. What I have determined is that I hope CSU is higher than an eight seed. You're hoping for like a four to a seven. Six, seven is the more realistic range. If you're going to get in that eight, nine range, I'd rather be a 12 or a 13. I just think it for their chances of making a run. I I know they would have to beat a really good team. You're going to have to beat a really good team at some point if you're going to make a run anyways. It's going to be interesting. I will ask you this though. If you were an 8-9 seed, who would be the one that you would most want to go? I I mean, it's got to be Purdue based on perception, right? Yeah, just based off of, like, they, you've seen it time and time again. I think, like, three of their last four tourney appearances, they've lost to double-digit seeds. Like, that's been their exit out of the tourney. So there is kind of that. Is Zach Eady, is Matt Painter, like, are they made in March? And it so far, it doesn't really feel like that. Um, it's also hard to argue we want to play the national player of the year. Oh, 100%. And that's where I think Fairleigh Dickinson last year also didn't get enough credit for being like the shortest team in the field to shut down the the national player of the year who was also like the tallest player in the field. That, that was one of the biggest tasks maybe any team has ever like faced and accomplished in sports. If like, just to be completely, maybe that's a hot take, but I don't know. I don't think it is. I mean, we, we saw what he did just the other night to Northwestern. I mean, he drew like 30 fouls in that game and I understand Chris Collins frustration. And I I probably would have got tossed long, long before he did, but yeah, it's just going to be interesting. I don't know. UConn, I think you don't want any part of that. Houston's been a machine of late. I got to go just on perception, but also, I mean, that stuff can change. The Mountain West perception was they can't win in the tournament and San Diego State goes to the national title game last year. So, you know, you, you can't win in March until you do. So I guess we'll we'll see how that plays out. Um, before we get I've out got, here, wait, I've actually got one question for you, too. Ooh, all right, hit me. So... With how CSU played Michigan, uh, was that two years ago? Yeah. Um, in the was that a six eleven matchup? It was. Yeah. So let's say CSU like finishes out the year strong and climbs up. Like from right now, they're projected seven. Let's say they finish at a six and they get that eleven seed matchup again. What type of team would you want to see the Rams play? Would you want kind of that like? frisky under the radar mid-major or would you want a Michigan like the Rams got two years ago where it's like like two years ago they had Hunter Dickinson so it's kind of like they've got the talent and the pieces but they've been like too inconsistent to put it together I want a brand name because I think taking down a big school carries a lot of weight in the tournament whereas like if they beat a Drake or something college basketball fans like us we know that beating you know, Drake is that'd be a hell of an accomplishment. 
on a national level, just in terms of especially the casuals. And we know so many more people are turned tuned into March Madness that don't follow the entire process. I just think it, it carries more weight. Like if you beat a Michigan or, you know, a SEC team or something like that, just in terms of the the politics of it all, which is, you know, a lot of what this is, you know, it's a lot of opportunity to to get some advertising for your school. I, I mean, I, I care much more about the hoops than I do like the optics or anything like that. But I guess if I had to pick, I think I'd rather see them take down a, a big school because it just, it feels good, you know, especially when you're a school like CSU, like, you know, we, we hear the comments, you know, oh, little brother, mid-major, this, that it, it, you know, when we can beat a team like Washington handedly, you know, and you can take down a Creighton, it just, it feels good. All right. I don't mean to interrupt Will mid-thought, but we did have some technical difficulties, lost him for a brief second. It's all right. We hopped back into that conversation and we will get right back into it momentarily. I got to tell you guys about our friends over at Breckenridge Brewery. Breck Brew has been with us really since the very beginning. I mean, they've been doing it for 33 years. It all comes down to their love and passion for making good beer. Some of my favorites include the Mountain Beach Sour. You can't go wrong with Avalanche Amber Ale. The Good Company Hard Seltzers are good when you are around Good Company. Check out the beer locator at breckbrew.com to find a brew near you. Fubo TV is the best way to watch 140 plus live channels of sports shows, movies, and news. You can stream live TV from any device, watch the most Colorado sports for the lowest price. And what's awesome is you can start watching immediately with a free trial, no contract, no cable, no hassle. Just sign up and start watching. You're going to get a thousand hours of cloud DVR included at no extra charge. Guys, I'm telling you, Fubo is the truth. If I'm out of town, I can watch Altitude, keep up with the Nuggets. I have Altitude, which, you know, if you've been in this state the last couple of years, that is a struggle. Uh, It's the best way to watch CBS Sports Network, FS1, FS2, keep up with all the latest Mountain West action. Watch all your favorite college basketball and NFL action with Fubo. Go to www.fubotv.com slash DNVR. That's www.fubotv.com slash DNVR to sign up for 15% off your first month of Fubo Pro. All right, we had some momentary tech issues, which made a a natural pause for the break. But we're going to jump right back into that conversation with Will Darkey. He had asked me before the break if I would rather, as a CSU fan, beat a pesky mid-major, you know, quality basketball team, or be more like in the situation from two years ago where you're squaring off with a team like Michigan. Um, I had mentioned that I thought uh, beating a name brand meant a little bit more just in terms of optics. The mid-major I had thrown out was beating Drake, a quality team. I just said, you know, people that watch the game, they know what that would mean. But I don't know if you get the same props for it on a national level. Will was about to go into his take on the situation. So uh, let's just get right back into it. Yeah, I mean, I, I could not agree with you more where... Once you get into March Madness, maybe the casual fans look at the optics, but there are some like really good teams hidden all throughout the bracket. I think Florida Atlantic last year is a team that everyone's like not expected. Like I think I even was a little down on them and t- took them to lose in the first round, and then out of nowhere they're in the final four. So there's teams that like make runs and are then like, "Hey, put respect on us." 
But I think if CSU were to beat a Drake, you wouldn't see Drake fans being like, oh, how did we even lose to a CSU? They'd just be like, hey, we're just happy to be here. That was a good game. Love March Madness. If you can like go and beat a Michigan, you then can go into uh, like the subreddits or the Twitter pages of Michigan fans and see like, why are we losing to Colorado State of all programs? Like we need to fire Jawan Howard. This is far overdue. And like CSU was my last straw. And it's it's funny because while CSU is an incredibly respectable basketball program this year, you would see that like casual, more public outroar if you were able to take down a big brand being the little brother, like you said, that CSU gets referenced as um, in the tourney. Yeah. I mean, just for petty reasons, it would be a lot of fun. We got some of that even with Creighton this year, which was funny because CSU beat Creighton by double digits just two years ago. But some people were just like, oh, I can't believe we're losing to this team again. It, was just, it cracked me up. Um, we got a big weekend of college basketball coming up as a whole. There's some big Mountain West games. There's some big ACC games. Duke UNC. That's always fun. Do you have a Do you have a lean on that one? I know UNC coming off of the the tough loss to Georgia Tech, but I still feel like going into that man, they were playing as good as anybody in the country. Yeah, I think I lean UNC. I, I UNC reminds me of CSU just in the the top pieces on the team are so like old with chemistry, veteran leadership. You've got Armando Baycott and RJ Davis. And I think they, they will walk out of that Georgia tech game being like, that was one of the most unacceptable brands of basketball we've played all year. Now we've got the people we could not hate more coming into our gym. And I, I think Duke probably makes it competitive just because the Duke UNC game always seems to be like a cinematic masterpiece. I love that game, but I I think I lean UNC just with, I think they've been the better team this year and they'll, they should bring some fire from that bad loss they had earlier in the week. Cause they, you don't want to go Owen two in a week, especially if one of those losses is your arch nemesis Duke. Who's the best player on the floor in that matchup? Is it Filipowski? Is it RJ Davis? I think I would have said Filipowski beginning of the year because uh, I thought the breakout he's, he's been good, but he, I don't think he's broken out as crazy as I thought he would have in his second year. I think I'd lean RJ Davis. He's just been, he's been so consistently good. And I think before when Caleb Love was there, he kind of was maybe in the shadow of Caleb Love chucking up 30 shots a game. And now he's kind of like, okay, this is my backcourt. I can kind of uh, drive where everything goes, where the ball's moving, when I want to get my shots up. And I think because of the level of player he is, it's just paid off in dividends for this Tar Heel team. That's, yeah, outside of that Georgia Tech loss they just suffered, they had been one of the strongest teams. They were the longest power six team to go undefeated through conference play. So I think that Georgia tech loss, you can't look too much into. I think it was a blip. And I think the sole reason because of their dominance has been RJ Davis. So I'd, I'd probably lean him as the best player. I've always leaned Tar Heel blue in that rivalry. Um, 
my middle school basketball team was the Tar Heels, so I'm pretty sure that's that's the only reason why. But I, I just decided I like UNC. I like the colors. I like the uniforms. Um, so I'll be pulling for UNC. I think that'll be a really fun one Saturday afternoon. The other one I'm looking forward to watching to Utah State has to go to Viejas. So we got great Osabor going up against Jaden Ladee, San Diego State. They need it. Utah State, if they can win this one, I mean, they... I won't say they've got the Mountain West wrapped up just because, I mean, any team could just immediately go on a four-game losing streak with how tough this this conference is. But, I mean, sitting where they're at with only one league loss, having already beaten Boise on the road and UNLV, if you can go and, and take this one in the pit, man, you're sitting pretty. Yeah. Uh, are you seeing a line? Is there a lineup for that game yet? I, I, would I haven't be been able to, to find see. one. Yeah, I would be curious to see what they set that line at. If it would, with it being at San Diego State, if they, if they're, I don't know if they're going to give them like five or six points, but that, this I think would be Utah State's like biggest test so far. And it's kind of what um, we were saying earlier about the Rams, where you would love to go to Viejas and get a win, but it's, it's really okay if you don't. I think Utah State also has that mentality, but man, if they can if they can walk out of that with a win, I think yeah, if they do start to separate themselves from this pack of chaos that is like the top half of the Mountain West. Well, the other factor that's going to kind of be in play in some of these matchups is it's really going to help determine who wins Mountain West Player of the Year. You know, Ladie he's been awesome this year and most metrics favor him as like the most individually dominant player in the conference. But I mean, Nick and Isaiah were the best players on the floor in that game. And I think that game certainly helped Isaiah's cause. But if you're Utah state, if, if you beat, you know, San Diego state on the road after what you've already done, then you know, great Osabor, he's going to have a, a pretty strong case, I think for that mountain West player of the year honor. Oh, totally. I think if I just had to like, toss out my who I think would be Mountain West player of the year right now. I think I am giving it to Isaiah Stevens. Maybe yeah, like all respect to Jaden D. He's had just a monster season. But the one thing that it's I, I love that Isaiah Stevens is getting his flowers. Every time I turn on a CSU broadcast and he like makes a play, makes a nice pass or something, you'll hear the commentating team be like that is the best there. Although say that is the best, if not one of the best guards in the entire country. And it's, that's such a rarity to have in the mountain West specifically at Colorado state. And so I just, I think he is the best player in the, the conference and he hasn't done anything that like shouldn't have him be deserving of it still this year. So Maybe it's I'm a with little, you, man. I mean, I'm yeah. I'm obviously a little biased, just a, a little bit of a fan when it comes to Isaiah Stevens, but I don't. You're not going to find a more savvy point guard, and just his shot making over the last couple of years just gets better and better. Now he's such a lethal three point shooter. He's the best facilitator in the country. I don't know what you do with him, and if he can carve up a defense like San Diego State like that, there's really like no argument in its sense of like there's no team that can shut him down. His his worst stretch, he was shooting in these last couple of losses. He was like 30% field goal, which for him is is not great. 
we had 19 assists over those two games and should have had like 24 if a couple of guys hit some more open jump shots. And on top of that, four or five of the misses were in overtime after you have heavy legs. So like if you take that away, it's like 36% from the floor over a two game stretch with almost 20 assists and you still scored double fidget, double uh, figures in both games. He's just insane. Like I, I hope, and I think most of them do, but I really hope Ram fans recognize just how unique of a player he is at this level. Oh yeah. Um, and just to like, kind of, I guess, put the cherry on top of what you're saying, how savvy he is where he he can realize okay maybe it's not my night shooting or maybe i've hit a little slump so now i'll just turn into assist demigod and i'll i'll find other ways down the floor to to get my team set up for some easy baskets and it's just he really is a special guard and yeah i don't know i mean even though i'm a buff i think i might be a little biased because i do catch myself watching a lot of rams games and he is He's so good. He's If you're a fan of quality basketball, both CU and CSU are worth watching. Like there's a lot of talent between those two teams. Cody Williams is going to be a, a lottery pick. I mean, KJ Simpson, I was shocked he wasn't a finalist for the Bob Cousy award along with Isaiah Stevens. To me that's asinine. Like I'm I, I'm a CSU guy. If somebody tried to argue with me that KJ Simpson isn't one of the 10 best point guards in the, the country, I'd I'd laugh in their face. So it's just it's really fun. I know that the rivalry can make it hostile, but I always feel like, especially on the basketball side, like, yes, if you're CU, you want to beat CSU. If you're CSU, you want to beat CU. But in a 30-game schedule, it's not like the loss factors in quite as much. Both teams are quality basketball teams. So it's like it's not like it hurts your resume, especially in a true road atmosphere if you're CU. Like, I'm kind of to the point where instead of like turning this into an Embiid Jokic, like really nasty, you know, just a stupid dialogue. I'm just like, these are two of the best point guards in America. And especially because the PAC 12 and mountain West schedules work out so I can watch them on different nights. It's like, you can watch two of the best point guards in America four nights a week in this state. Yeah. It's, it really is a gift that I, uh, I'm trying not to take for granted right now, but, they're rare, yeah. man. I, I hope people realize that because like, I mean, you you can feel it even with CSU. The non-Isaiah, non-Neek minutes are rough. Those two went off for two minutes against San Diego State and it was a 10-0 Aztec run in 90 seconds. So like you, you can feel yeah. the impact. That one stat of what was it? Um, score They scored or assisted on 27 of 28 field goals in that game. That 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 is like mind-boggling i mean but then like when you watch the game it you it you checks. can kind of see how it played out yeah but uh just <laughs> love watching isaiah and also love just the the blossoming of neat clifford into this role that he's got with the rams now it's so cool before we go i'm glad you brought that up because i wanted to bring this up before we get out of here i was just kind of glancing at some ken palm stuff this morning Right now, Neat Clifford ranks eighth nationally in effective field goal percentage. He's fifth in true shooting percentage. He's fifth in three-point shooting. That's insane. That is insane. I, if you would have given me like 10 chances to guess 
like where he fell in that, I I still would have not even like come close to that number. I would have totally disrespected him and been like, oh, he's like top 100 and be like, no, okay, maybe top 75. If he's top 10 in those categories, that's, I mean, his as a score is just, an, it's insane. And it's, it's exactly what I thought would happen. And I'm, I'm excited. And this, it's not even like from a victory lap standpoint. I just like, I'm, I'm happy for him because he's a totally. guy who's always had the talent and he's just never really been maximized. And that's for a variety of reasons. Like it just wasn't a perfect fit in the system. He obviously has a lot more freedom here to like attack and put the ball on the floor. Doesn't just don't have to be a guy that stands in the corner and shoots. But it, it's cool, man, to see like a Colorado kid to have this story to really see him flourish. And like at this point, I think he's going to be a first round pick. Yeah, that's what I, I forget if I brought this up the last time I was on, but he is like one of the cool success stories of the transfer portal because there's a lot of hostility with like the transfer portals ruining sports because people are jumping in and out. And I do understand that. But then I also like looking at the personal stories of a neat Clifford or a Dalton connect who have Dalton connect. It was like, he was doing these things at UNC, but he just wasn't getting like the name recognition for it. Gets to go to the sec play on ESPN most nights when he's when Tennessee has games. And now he's a projected first round pick. Neat Clifford went to CU wasn't really working out. Couldn't find his rhythm there is able to go to CSU, truly figure out who he is as a player and showcase it to the nation on a team where he's a big contributing factor and helping them become like nationally relevant, which then it creates this cycle of like, he's helping the Rams who are helping him, which helps him more if you get what I'm saying. And now, yeah, like you said, he he's getting NBA draft stock hype and buzz. And it's just, I, I love it. And that's where even though it is weird and there are some funky rules about the transfer portal, it's stories like those guys that makes me really like it for them. It's, it's, it's one of the situations where it, it ends up the way it, it's intended to be, which has not really been the case with a lot of this stuff that the people complain about transfer portal, you know, NIL was supposed, was not supposed to be pay for play, but that's what it's become. You know, there's just a bunch of things we can whine about. Um, before we get out of here, Will. Um, what what's your read on this Buffs team right now? I mean, do you think they're really on the fringe in terms of where they're being forecasted? They're firmly on the bubble. I think. Well, yeah, looking Washington at- <laughs> State is like the last four in. They're the last four out right now. If you win that game, it, it probably flips, right? Well, yeah. So, like, looking at Joe Lenardi's bubble right now, he's got Colorado as the last team in. Of the 68 teams in the field, they're going to be team number 68. Well, tech sort of, you can talk about how like the 16 seeds might be that, but, um, and they'd be facing Boise state in Dayton in the first four as a CU fan. I hate that <laughs> just because seeing what Boise state did at the pit. What was that? Two nights ago. Two nights I, ago. Yeah. That was Boise state is a team that scares me. Then you look at, Lenardi's also got Nebraska in the last four in. It's like, ooh, a little Nebraska Colorado basketball matchup. That could be fun. But I don't know. It is as a Buffs basketball fan, I I'm losing years with every game because yeah, it's like one good half of basketball gets you in the bubble, then you have a bad half of basketball, and now you're on the wrong side of the bubble. And it's it's gonna be really fun to see how it plays out. Uh I 
am not the biggest fan of CU's final stretch schedule. I, I think there's there's some tough road matchups, but I don't know. I think I think they have the potential. They definitely have the talent to make the tournament. It's just a matter of can they put the run together? And I feel like there's some it's tough because you 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 can only do your schedule. And looking at some of the other teams around them on the bubble, they might have more quad one opportunities. So it it really is just make sure like you keep your side of the street clean, do what you got to do, and hope that the teams around you also aren't doing as well. It's it's stressful, but that's why I love college basketball. I love the bubble. Yeah, I mean, just looking at Ken Palm here, I mean, the only top 35 team that they play is Arizona for from here on out. So, I mean, I know that's, that's not net, but you know, it's, it'll be interesting to see just kind of what happens there. Offensively, they've come to life, man. They're shooting the three ball. Well, like that's what made that Washington state game. So surprising to me. I know it's deceptively a tough place to play. And like that Washington state team is better than most people realize, but I don't know. I just, I really had thought they had figured it out you know, kind of going into that game. Yeah, that was a little, it was a little puzzling just to see the offensive output they had a couple nights ago or a couple nights before at Washington for, yeah, to kind of fall back down to earth. And I mean, I, it was sort of frustrating, but I also, I don't know if it was as much like against CU, but more um, credit to Washington State. I do. Well, that's think what I wanted to ask you because they played yeah. well in that game. Like, I don't think the Buffs played terribly or anything like that. I just, I just felt like their talent, like they ha- clearly have more talent, and I, I felt like it should have kind of been the the deciding factor in the end in a really tight game. Yeah, it. There's times where it feels like there is a lot of talent on the floor, but maybe only one of them has got it going. I feel like it can maybe feel like that with the Rams too, where it's like, oh okay, yeah, maybe we've had multiple of those yeah. stretches. Yeah. Kind of like you were saying where it's like, okay, Nick and Isaiah go, they go off the floor, somebody step up and then nobody steps up and it's like, okay, that was, that was fun. That was a fun little 10-0 run to watch. So I don't know. I mean, that's college basketball for you. There, there are just college kids at the end of the day. Uh, but I think I think the team still is trending in the right direction. I think to go to Washington to go to the Washington schools, come out of it one and one, I think I would still take that. And I think they are trending in the right direction. You just don't want you don't want like a bad setback that then could cause a slump, kind of like we were talking about with CSU and the Wyoming game and not being able to rebound versus being able to rebound and maybe build a new win streak. So how hot does Tad see it get if this team misses the tourney with potentially three NBA draft picks on it? I think I personally think it should be really hot, but I I just don't I don't know because I don't he think he's is, going anywhere for the record, but I think the fan base yeah. will be very He's flustered. so beloved by like Rick George and he's just kind of like a staple of Colorado. Just he I mean he is like the most successful Colorado men's basketball coach in history. So it's tough when you've got that on your resume to then be like all right, you're on the hot seat, but sometimes those tough decisions and those tough talks need to be had and I think if they were to miss this year 
the seat really needs to start heating up because I really don't think there's been much of a hot seat. I think the seat's always just been like uncomfortable, but it's still cold. But it's like, why did we, why did we like not meet expectations? But I guess you're still safe, Tad. So I don't know. This is going to be a very pivotal month and a half for Tad Boyle and his, uh, I think his long-term legacy with the buffs. I think, like you said, he, he is safe from like this off season, but I think it could heat the seat up. This has been a blast, man. I appreciate you taking some time in your day to talk hoops with me. Always fun to talk with the fellow hoops head who gets into the ins and outs of the game. Uh, make sure you guys go follow Will on Instagram at CBB Uncharted. All kinds of awesome content. Talking all things across the country. I don't know how he does it, man. It's it's hard for me to just follow the Mountain West the way that I do. I don't know how you keep up with all this. It's I'm I'm too far in deep at this point. I it's like an addiction, and I uh, the second I like pull myself out, I'm, I like I got I got to go right back in, and it I love it. It's it's a lot, but I love it. So I don't know. Thanks for coming on, man. I appreciate you. Dude, thank you so much. Always a pleasure to be here. Always a pleasure to talk hoops, like you said, with a fellow hoop head. So, yeah, just thanks for having me. Peaches out of Palisades, sweet as mama's marmalade. This shit sound like summer days, the windows down on harmony. The family band sing harmonies, my daddy played the drums. My mama slapped that bass, my sister sang these songs. Dancing under canopies, we thank the trees for all their leaves. We are just some drops of water, together make up seven seas. And one day I'll be like my father, one day I will learn to breathe. I'm choking on the thought that I am not the man I want to be. I got blood on my shirt, like I wear my heart on my sleeve. She said I look good in red, but that went straight to my head. So now she's rocking my teeth, tucked into new Prada jeans. And we ain't spoken a month, but I just saw her last week. The lipstick stain still on my cheek, like we ain't talk enough. And we always seem to laugh, but never nod at us. So the future's looking grim, it's kinda ominous. And this song ain't about love, that'd be too obvious. See, this is more about lust and all of my misconceptions. And this is more about me and all of my self-deception. I'll tell myself a lie, 100 times don't need corrections But every night I pray to God, I hope I learn my lesson And the peaches out from Palisade And they sweet as mama's marmalade And this should sound like summer days, the windows down on harmony The family band sing harmonies, my daddy played the drums And my mama slapped that bass, and my sister sang these songs Dancing hand in hand, we were tripping two left feet Like a middle school slow dance, no one knew how to leave But I'm still thankful for these days